This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series called Level Up as we've talked about moving up a level in our different areas of our life, God's blessings, our responses. Last week we talked about our outlook. I'm going to talk about something uh, this week that is something that's a part of all of our lives, especially our Christian lives, and that is our faith. We're going to level up our faith. And uh, if you look through the New Testament, it's not, a, it's not a vague theme. It's a very strong thing. In fact, the word faith is used in the New Testament over 230 times. The word believe, 100, 130 sometimes. So it's, it's a major thing. Now, as I start to share that, I, I want you to understand something, too. People say, well, you know, I don't, I don't have any faith, or I just didn't have... Listen, faith is not like genetics. It's not like either you have it or you don't. I used to want to play basketball, and I was, uh, uh, my, my father was 6'4", so I kept thinking, at some point in time, this growth spurt is going to hit me, and uh, at 30, I finally gave it up. I just figured it wasn't happening. Then I found out 20-some years later that he actually wasn't my biological father, so that starts to make sense. But as I'm looking at it, height was not in my genetics, and so... That was a shock uh, to me, but it was a limiter. I, hey, I'm just not going to be that tall. Faith is not like that. If you're thinking, well, I, I don't have faith, or I just don't have much faith, or I, I just got shortchanged when it came to faith, that's actually that's a limiting thought, and it's not from God, because we all have the capacity to grow and develop, and that's what I want to talk about. When I talk about leveling up our faith, it's not just for some of you. It applies to all of us across the board. Because our faith is vital to this Christian life. Now, when I say faith, let me give you just a, a quick definition. It means being we're confident of what we expect. We're convinced of what we don't see. Confident of what we expect. We're convinced of what we don't see. And if you think about it, that's actually how we start this Christian life. We start by being convinced that God is real, even though we can't see him. There was a little... Uh, fifth, uh, she's five years old. She was she was drawing in Sunday school class. Man, she was you know had her tongue out. She was drawing. She was intense. And her Sunday school teacher came by and said, "Hey, sweetheart, what are you drawing?" She said, I'm, "I'm I'm drawing a picture of God." She said, "Well, dear, no one really knows what God looks like." She never looked up. She said, "Well, they will when I'm done." <laughs> that's a that's a confident that, that that's confidence. But but we have to be confident in in a God that we 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 can't see. We can see evidences of him all around, but we can't see him, but we're, we believe he exists. That's where our faith starts. And then we have faith that his son, Jesus Christ, was, lived and died on a cross, was buried, and was resurrected for us. That's where our faith starts. That's how we start in this faith walk. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that on the cross, we believe that God raised him from the dead. We believe he's alive forevermore and that we will live with him for eternity. That's, that's where our faith is. We believe that. Haven't seen that, but we believe it. So it's how we start this life. But it's not just how we start this life, it's how we continue in this life. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. He said, we walk by faith, not by sight. He's talking about we live our lives not by faith, by what we believe, not necessarily by what we see and feel and reason. So he's saying that this is how we live this life. Man, we live. You woke up today. Some of you, now, unless somebody drug you to church, you came to church because you believe God's real. 
You came to church because you believe God's good. He's a rewarder. You, you believe some good things, that God is, exists. And so that, that helped. You're worshiping today because we don't think we're just singing into the air. We know we're worshiping somebody. And so it gives us, that's a, that's a confidence. We, we believe that. And so our, our faith, that's how we have a, a relationship with him. That's how we walk. That's how we live. And it also is our, our faith is important because when we're going through difficult times, it can keep us steady. A steadiness. Oh, I appreciate that. You're a good man. He didn't want me to trip, he says. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know how when someone approaches, how I thought was you out of the side of my, I didn't want to like put some kung fu on you or anything. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I know you'd like to see that. It ain't happening. Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, where was I? Steady. Anyway, <laughs> the idea that when you go through difficult times that you can stay steady because of our faith. And that's one of the reasons it's so important. Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica. They had gone through some difficult times. Early church went through a lot of persecution. I think a lot of people forget that, that the early church, it's not like everyone was really excited that the, that the church, because they abandoned uh, the gods of that day, they abandoned the culture of that day. They were very different. And so when Paul was writing the church, he, he, said, uh, he said, we thought it was good to, to be at Athens alone. And then he picks up here, he said, we're going to send Timothy. He said, and we sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, our fellow, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. The word afflictions means pressure. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. He said, I'm going to send Timothy. He said, I know you've been going through some difficult times. He said, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And Timothy was not going to come and just say, bless your heart. Timothy was going to come and he was going to establish them. In other words, he was going to help them get firmly set on what they believed. I need you. So Timothy would come and he would encourage them, maybe remind them about what they'd heard before, to establish them and encourage them. To begin to say, hey guys, you're, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're believing and, and trusting. Why? So he said that no one is shaken. That word shaken means disturbed or broken down. So they're going through difficult times. Paul said, I'm sending Timothy. Timothy's going to encourage you. He's going to establish you in your faith so you're not moved. You're steady in the middle of this. I thought about that, and I thought about what happened. This month we celebrated my grandson Grant's fourth birthday. And when, when Grant was born, he, uh, had a, there was major complications with the birth. Almost lost my daughter. Almost lost him. And he's, he's in NICU. He's in the... Uh, ICU unit for, for babies. And man, we got the call and all these, that these things were going on and uh, difficult time. Just you talk about, you talk about a pressure and affliction, but we felt it. So I sent joy. Because I know one thing, I send joy up there, she gonna bring some God up into that situation right there. She rolled in there, but I sent her for this reason, not to watch the kids, not to cook, but I sent her up there to establish them and encourage them in their faith so they wouldn't give up. You're in the NICU, you got all these wires and beeps and sounds and all this negative stuff going on. You need to stay steady in a situation like that 
And day after day, joys encourage them, and, and I'm, I'm sending texts. What are we doing? We're helping them stand in what they believed so that they wouldn't crumble, so that they wouldn't give up. I got a four-year-old grandson who is a pistol. And uh, man, just, he is he's semi-brilliant. Don't know where he gets that, but nah, man. no, he, he, really, he really is. He, he is a sharp kid. And, and by the way, his favorite person in the world is not me. It's Justin. <laughs> he wants a red leather jacket like Justin. He's got a stuffed animal that looked like Justin's. I'm like, son, you better grow up to be a worship leader. You are not going to have a problem later on. <laughs> but a blessing and strong and normal. I, I want to encourage you to stay steady in your faith. Because when stuff starts happening, we don't want to be shaken. Thank God we don't have to be. We can be steady. One of the best examples of what I would call the walk of faith is found in the New Testament. It's the story of Peter. And Peter was, you know Peter, Peter was the, the bold disciple. Peter was always the one sticking his foot in his mouth. He's one, one of my favorites. And uh, he's always doing something. But Peter's walk of faith here is a great example. Jesus had just fed between seven, 8,000 people, 5,000 men and the women and children, five loaves and two fish. They'd just seen a huge miracle. And Jesus is encouraging his disciples to go ahead. So let's read the story here in Matthew, the walk of faith. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the, into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Great picture of faith. Great picture of a walk of faith. Here's the disciples. They're in the boat. They're experiencing a storm. They're on the lake, the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about twice the size of Lake Conroe. It, it, yet it's, it's probably... A, a broader span of water because it's almost like a, a circle. And so it's not long like, like Lake Conroe, twice the square miles. So it's a big body of water. And so as they're, they're in the boat, they're, they're, they're getting the waves, and the waves, and it's dark, and the waves are against them, and they're rowing, and they're having a difficult time. And then they see Jesus walking on the water. Now, and they cried out, it's a ghost. I, I know sometimes we think, well, if I'd been there, I'd have been cool. No, you wouldn't. If you had been there, listen, they're out there, and all of a sudden, here comes, they didn't look at one another and go, oh, it's probably Jesus walking on the water. No, they went, they went, it's a ghost. And the Bible said they cried out from fear. Now, Matthew wrote this. He was in the boat. That was probably a kind way of saying, we screamed like a fourth-grade girl. We just, <laughs> ha, 
It's a ghost. Now, I love the fact of what happens next. The Bible said Jesus immediately spoke to them. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if that had been some of us, we'd have messed with those disciples. They'd have screamed, it's a ghost. We'd have been like, ugh. <laughs> it scared the daylights out of them. Aren't you glad Jesus is not that way? He, he didn't want them afraid. And he said to them, he said, hey, he said, it's me. He said, be of good cheer. Now, we don't use the word be of good cheer. But be of good cheer really means take courage. He said, it's me. Take courage. Don't be afraid. His words, even in themselves, indicate that that was a choice that they had. They could choose to believe him, and then they wouldn't be afraid anymore. Peter cries out. He says, Lord, if that is you, you tell me to come to you on the water. And, and it's interesting that Peter did not move until he heard Jesus give the command. Now, there's some wisdom in that. You know, Peter didn't move because John and James dared him to go out and walk on the water. That wouldn't have worked. He heard Jesus' word, and that word enabled him to walk on the water. He knew what Jesus' will was. Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. His word, Jesus' words, Peter knew the effectiveness of Jesus' words. He knew that was enough for him to step out of the boat. So I give him a lot of credit. He's the only one. Nobody else was stepping out of the boat. It was Peter. Peter was walking on the water to come to Jesus. Now, that's an amazing thing. Someone said, do you, do you really believe that that happened, that Jesus walked on the water and that Peter walked on the water? Absolutely. That's easy. It's easy because here's what I believe. I believe Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe the rest of the Bible, that the one who created the water can supersede the water. And so he walked on the top of the water. He's going, Peter's walking, and Peter's going out there to him. That had to be a cool thought. So here he is walking. He said, but Peter lost focus. See, he's looking at Jesus. He's walking to Jesus. He said, and then the scripture says, but when he saw the wind boisterous. So Peter's walking toward Jesus, but then he sees the wind blow. Now listen, I've been in storms before you have too. It can get a little spooky when the wind just starts whipping up. And you're like, ooh. And maybe the thought began to hit Peter. I can't walk on water. What am I doing out here? It's windy. Well, you, know, you can't walk on the water when it's calm, much less windy. And so, really, the wind had nothing to do with it. But it took his focus off of Jesus. He began to look at what was around him, and his surroundings caused him to fear. And then the fear caused him to begin to sink. Now, that's interesting words. I grew up in church, and I'd hear this story, and when we would go to the pool, we would make the decision that we are going to walk on the water. So we'd get back and get a running start, and we would, we would go. How many of you know you don't walk far on water? Now, if you're water skiing and you get thrown off, you can roll on top of the water for a little bit, but this isn't the same thing. This is Peter beginning to sink. How many of you know if, if you're on water, you don't begin to sink, you sink. It's just, boom, you're down, you're, you're under. And he began to sink. So the fear, the fear was, was coming, and he was starting to sink. And I love what he did next. Real smart. He cried out, and he said, Jesus, help me. Lord, save me. And I, again, I love to see what happens next. I am so glad that Jesus did not walk over to him and watch him go down and come back up and go down and come back up and go down again 
and then look at him and go, now have you learned a lesson? <laughs> I love the fact that the Bible said Jesus reached out immediately and picked him up. And we have no indication that Jesus drugged Peter back to the boat. I guess as they walked back to the boat together. And when they got in the boat, all those guys said, Revelation, truly you're the son of God. But the idea that we see here is Peter was walking. He was walking on top of circumstances, but then he lost his focus. He began to look around. So how do we level up when it comes to our faith? There's some things we can learn from Peter, but I think one of the first things we have to learn is this. In this life, there's always going to be stuff that we have to deal with. Always. I wish I could tell you that it was different. I wish I could tell you that 2021 is going to be a perfect year where everything goes great and nothing ever. I mean, we've already seen that. Already that hasn't happened. And so to say that everything's going to be perfect, I think sometimes we're surprised when we hit storms. If Jesus and the disciples hit storms, we're going to hit storms. And so it's just part of it. We have to understand that. And so this isn't heaven, guys. We're not in heaven yet. And there's going to be challenges and storms to deal with down here. And this is one of the reasons Paul said, I am sending Timothy to you. Why? To encourage you in your faith. Why? Because they're going through a storm. He didn't want them to go under. And so we're going to have storms. We're going to deal with storms. But there's, there's a caveat here. Jesus said, yeah, you may deal with some storms, but they don't have to take you under. In John 16, he's talking to his disciples. He said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. That means pressure, problems. Be of good cheer. Take courage. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Take courage. I've overcome. Jesus is saying this. He, he, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17 are some of the most marvelous uh, teachings we have of Jesus in the Gospels. And in these Gospels, he's talking about our connection with him, our relationship with him, our relationship with God. It's the help of the Holy Spirit. We've got all these things. And so Jesus, when he comes down to the end of this discourse, he said, look, he said, I've told you all these things so that in me, faith in me, a connection with me, you can have peace. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. He said, well, Jesus is being negative. He's not being negative. He's being honest. He said, in this world, there's going to be pressure. There's going to be problems. He said, but take courage. Be a good cheer. Take courage. I've overcome the world. So we're connected to him. We have a relationship with him. He's overcome. We don't have to be overwhelmed. So we have got that connection. That's a connection there. And so our faith in him and our faith in his ability to help us is what helps us stay steady in the middle of these things. Another thing that will help you is add fuel to your faith, not to your fear. Whatever you feed gets stronger. So what do you mean by feeding? Where you focus is where you feed. What you're focusing on, what you're paying attention to, what's, what's, what's big in your thinking, what's in your thinking, what's in your words, what are you thinking about, what's got your attention, where you focus on is what you're feeding in your life. I've told this story before, but it bears witness on this. In the early 90s, when, before we started the art, I was a sales rep working for a company at that time. They're in Sparity now. They're Administap. I was working for them, and uh, all the kids were at school, and uh, Joy was at work. The house was quiet, 
I am sitting up in my, in my loft area where my office was, and I hear a buzzing, just a bzzz, and I'm like, that doesn't sound good. I'm looking around, and I look up, and there's like a big red wasp up in the corner. Now, I don't, I don't like wasps. It's like snakes and wasps. It's just like they're close. But snakes are on top, wasps are second. And so I'm looking up, and there, there's a wasp in the corner, and I couldn't tell whether he was in or out for a little bit. I'm looking, and finally I've realized, oh, he's outside. He's building a nest right up in that corner. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. I hate wasps. But somebody had a God-inspired idea to come up with wasp spray, or you could stand like 50 feet away and hit that. That was the Lord that came up. That was a beautiful idea. And so I go downstairs, and I, I to get the wasp spray. I've got the wasp spray in my hand. I'm heading for the door. This was the early 90s. In the early 90s, I had a pager. Go ahead and put it up, guys, because I know there's some people who have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> How many of you remember a pager? Remember a pager? Oh, let me, let me tell you something. This, this was cutting-edge technology at that time. And you, I, could, I wore a pager on, on my side, and you could have it chime, or you could have it vibrate. I had mine set to vibrate. Man, this thing would vibrate. It'd vibrate and shake your whole leg. I mean, this thing would vibrate. So you have to understand, I'm thinking about going out to do battle with the wasps. I got the wasp spray. I reach for the door, and the pager goes off. Bzzz. I scream like a fourth-grade girl. Because I knew that that wasp had read my mind, somehow had gotten inside the house, and just attacked me before I could get him with the wasp spray. Why? You say, well, that's a stupid thought. Yeah, it is a stupid thought. But I had wasp on my mind. I had wasp spray. I'm going, what am I doing? I have focused on wasps. And so it had caused a heightened sense of fear in me. And when that thing went off, just, man, it scared me to death. I was so glad no one was in the house because I was like, man, that's embarrassing. So I, I went out and killed the wasp and did battle. Here's the idea. Where you focus, you feed. If you're focusing all the negatives around you, it's not feeding your faith. It's feeding your fear. In March of last year, as things began to go down with the pandemic and, and all the things that were happening, the Lord impressed me to stop uh, watching and reading the news. Now, I know some of you think, well, I, I, that, that you're, putting your, you're putting your head in the sand. No, no, that's not what I was doing. Because when I was reading, I'm a big reader. I love to read. And when I was reading the news, I, all I was reading was bad news. And remember, they were projecting that the world was going to end when this thing started, and everyone was going to be broke, and we were going through a depression and all these negative things. And, I, and then we had all the social unrest, and I realized when I was reading, it was going to cause one of two things, fear or anger. And so I just felt impressed. I just stopped, stopped taking the paper, stopped believing to say, well, are you aware of what's going on? Very aware of what's going on. But I didn't put my head in the sand. I put my head in God's word. Because putting my head in God's word built faith in me. Just constantly surrounded by news and the other stuff put fear in me. And I mean, they were just projecting nothing good. I can't read that all the time. I got to read what God said. I can't do like Peter and look around at all the wind and the waves and all the negative stuff and stay strong is keep my focus. So I just stopped. I stopped. And I'll tell you something. I actually, I haven't picked it up 
sense. I skim headlines. People tell me what's going on. I can pray. I'm good. But I'm not feeding my fear. I'm feeding my faith. Look what Paul told the Ephesian church here in Acts, the 20th chapter. He's getting ready to leave. This is his last words. He said, Brother, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul said, there's two things, guys. I want to commend you to God. I want you to pursue a relationship with God. These were his last words to this group at Ephesus. I want you to pursue a relationship with God. And I want you, I want you to pursue the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Is it building you up physically? No, it builds up your faith. It makes you stronger in faith. He said, I want you to, I want you to go with God and the word of his grace which is able to build you up. Listen, you, you hear around the church, you hear us say three, three things. We want you to live with God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Live with God is that you pursue a relationship with God. That you not just, he's not an add-on in your life. He's something that you, you, you talk to him, you pray, you read his word, and it's building you up. You live with him and you're growing stronger. That's one of the reasons we have this church. So you can come in, so you can be a part of a community that's like, we're going to honor God, we're going to live for God, we're going to do something for God, and we're going to get stronger in the middle of it. Our faith gets stronger, and as our faith gets stronger, our ability to handle the challenges of life is better. You see, your faith in God can cause you to overcome the challenges that you face. Peter walked on the water. That's a supernatural thing. And we have the ability to walk over. We can't control everything around us. We can control how we respond. In Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, this is a great passage. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river, will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruits. This leave that verse up there if you would. You notice it said, blessed is the man who trusts the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. It's okay to put your trust in people, but it should not supersede your trust in God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by waters. It envisions a tree planted by rivers, and there's waters, and he's got roots in the water. And so even when the heat comes, there's problems that come. When the heat comes, said I'm, he said, the leaves are green. When the drought comes, still producing fruit. Why? Because our trust in him, our faith in him can keep us steady. And even though things around us may not look good, we're still doing well. We're still thriving. We're not sinking because we trust in him and our hope is in him. A number of years ago, we, uh, we had some serious problems here in the church and I had serious problems at home. Man, they were difficult. And it was probably one of the toughest times, Joy and I think, of our lives as we dealt with staff problems and, and then I had home problems too with, with uh, my children, one of my children especially. And this was a, a time where the, the Lord had, had given us words, scriptures he had impressed on our hearts. He'd spoken to our hearts uh, numerous times. And, and we would take those promises and we would take that and we would walk with that. But we, the problems and the winds would blow. We would look around and quite honestly, man, we would sink. But when you're sinking, that's not the time to abandon your faith. That's the time to cry out and say, Lord, my faith has been sinking. Help me. Listen, if you're sinking, 
Examine your thinking. Because often it's, it's, not, it's not where it should be. And so when we start focusing on the problems and all the, all the negatives, we would begin to sink. And the Lord's merciful. And I, I'm convinced. He stretched out his hand. We didn't ask for anybody. We're like, Lord, you've got to help us. You've got to be able to pull us through this situation. And he would remind us of his promises, of his words. He would stretch out his hand. He would help us. I'm convinced he drug both of us back to the boat and probably threw us in. But somehow we made it because we did not give up on him. We stayed with him. But after it was over, we begin to look at these things. So we begin to say, hey, we, we, we've got to handle this differently. We can't just get so in, enmeshed in the problems and in the negatives and in everything that we see, all the stuff coming again. We can't, that we forget, we take our eyes off the Lord. He's given us promises. He's given us his spirit. He's given us so much. And what we've learned over in, in the ensuing years is we've gotten stronger. We've gotten more steady. Say, do you ever sink? We sink, but we're up a lot faster. And the ability, and here's where we want to go, where we're not constantly sinking and coming up and sinking and coming up. We're beginning to get stronger and stronger and the problems come and you handle problems now that five years ago would have absolutely devastated you. But you're like, no, I'm going on with God. He's my hope. He's my trust. He's the one that's going to help me. We're going to make it in this. Level up our faith in him, in his word, in his son, in his spirit. When we do that, we stay steadier. Wow, I wish I could tell you that there's not going to be any problems, but there's going to be. It's not that we don't have problems. It's that we handle them in his strength. That's the key. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, if you're listening to me and you're saying, you know what, Alan, I'm, or maybe you're online watching, you're thinking, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with God. I don't know if I've made that step of faith, that first step of faith, which is, to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've done that before and you recognize, man, I, I, I've, I've been sinking so bad and I've gotten so far away from him. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to give you an opportunity to come back. We're going to give you an opportunity to come to him. But we're going to say a very simple prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. This is a, a prayer between you and him. But I am going to ask you to acknowledge that by one thing. If that's you this morning, you're sitting here going, man, that's me. I don't know if I know the Lord or I know I need to come back to him. Would you pray for me? If that's you I'm talking to, will you slip your hand up just real quick across the auditorium? No one's looking but me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. A lot of hands went up. Thank you. Great. So we're going to do this. We're going to pray this prayer. You pray this prayer with us out loud. And then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pray it together as a church family. You're not alone in this. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I've said yes to you. Now, since you're still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who have stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light. And for those who've come back home. And Father, for those of us here who are listening, help us get our focus off all the other things going on. And put our focus on the one who strengthens and lifts us and encourages us. 
Thank you, Father, for helping establish us and encourage us in our faith that we stay steady during these times. Father, we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.